on this week's episode is the third time's a charm for the Fantastic Beasts. We got a taste of Stranger Things Season 4, and we'd better call Saul to tell him the end is near. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC See Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, the great folks at Vampires and Vitae. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, man, indeed. Plus, also, as well, the great folks at PopCultureCosmos.com. Plus, also letting you know we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. And if you go ahead and check out everything that we do on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, we are also the place to go for all the latest news and trends in pop culture right there at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind, the evil mastermind of everything that she's doing for Vampires and Vitae. You got to go ahead and check out what she's doing today. Vampires and Vitae is the number one show that she does. And you can go ahead and check that out on Pop Culture Cosmos or Vampires and Vitae, wherever you get your podcasts. It is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda. Great to have you here. Good to be little back. Late, little late night PCC multiverse action for us, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff, tons and tons of stuff. And we were happy to uh, have Vampires and Vitae back around the table this past Yay! Sunday from the live stream. That was great. We were down two of our players. Margie was taking part in the Celtic game, so she was out throwing telephone poles around. As you casually do on a Sunday. Watch out. Uh, right? So we plan to be back to the mostly full cast. I think we're still without Margie this coming Sunday, but we're getting closer to getting the gang back together. Gosh darn it. <laughs> but you still got to stay tuned because each and every week, there's a great new adventure in store for you at Vampires and Vitae. I know the gang, once they get all together and she stops throwing telephone poles, I know you got a lot in store for her and the crew. I know Rob. Your husband in crime also is going to go ahead and plan this out carefully as far as where your group is going to go. So looking forward to hearing and seeing more adventures with the Vampires and Vitae. But for this week, we got a lot on tap, including Fantastic Beasts, the third rendition of the Fantastic Beasts. The Secrets of Dumbledore is out this weekend at theaters. We'll talk about are we getting declining returns when it comes to the Fantastic Beasts? And will it actually complete the five-movie mission that was originally intended for Fantastic Beasts? We'll talk about that coming up on the show. Stranger Things are bound as season four is on the way in the not-too-distant future. And they finally dropped a full-fledged season four trailer this week from Netflix. So we'll go ahead and talk about that. Some interesting things if you're a D&D fan, as Melinda pointed out. So we'll talk about that coming up in a bit. Better Call Saul, that's coming up on the back end of the show because that's in its final season, season six. And the thing with that is that it is the maybe the last tie-in to Breaking Bad, all the characters that you know and love from that series. Plus also as well, you'll be getting some surprise returns in store for you if you catch this last season of Better Call Saul. So we'll talk about that on the back end of the show. Plus also as well, you've got Jeff Sloboda from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. He 
is going to talk to me about Moon Knight Episode 3 and what we hope will be the future for the series. Did you get a chance to check out Episode 3 for Moon Knight? Yeah, so I had a little bit of catching up to do. So Mm. what I like to do is I like to go back to the previous week's episode and then watch the new one. So we had to rewind back to Episode 1, so we watched that again. Then we watched Episode 2. And I think we got about halfway, I think, through episode three before just we were just exhausted and fell asleep. But, man, I'm enjoying this series. That's good. That's good to hear. I know a lot of people are as well. Outside of Oscar Isaac, who is carrying a great bit of the burden when it comes to what's going on in Moon Knight. I think he's doing a pretty good job. I know a lot of people are having issue with the accent, especially if you're overseas and Big shout out to all of our overseas radio stations and also our consumers that listen to us out there. Big shout out to you. If you do have a problem with it, because it may not be as authentic as you'd like it to be, I still think that Oscar Isaac gets a lot of kudos for the attempt to go ahead and try and provide different personas. But I talk about that with Jeff, but I'm so happy that you're enjoying it. I know the MCU has been a great source of up and down things for all of us here in the past two years when it comes to television shows. So I'm really glad that you're able to connect with this show so far. And one more thing I want to go ahead before we head on to the show and that we remind everybody that the Warner Discovery merger is now final, is now set in place. They had a big hullabaloo earlier today in regards to a presentation with Oprah Winfrey and the head of Warner Brothers Discovery and all that nine yard stuff. He's talked about the future, what's going on. Everybody's talking about Discovery Plus and HBO Max. What are they going to call it now that they're all merged and they're going to be all one happy family? But the latest thing that came out of it came from Variety and IGN and the DC Universe. So we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Do you know The Secrets of Dumbledore? I don't. And I don't think anybody else really does because the fact that They have lost all their secrets, especially after the last previous installment, and they lost a lot of momentum as far as the overall Harry Potter thing is concerned. I don't think you can blame it all on J.K. Rowling's comments, but I know a great bit of it can be tied to it. Sure. Your thoughts on where we stand with Fantastic Beasts and this whole thing going on as we head into the weekend, it is expected to do right around $50 million, maybe $150 million worldwide at best. And that would be a big win if that's the case, because that would be near what the other two had made. But right. I'm not counting on it because I know there's a lot of declining returns and a lot of people that are still not liking what they're seeing from the Fantastic Beasts. I perhaps this is controversial and I apologize mm. to those Potterheads out there, but I really like the Fantastic Beasts movies. I, I like the first like one. No, I, I I even enjoyed the second one. I was then like, you are a brave soul. You know what? I'm not even sure. I enjoy the movies. I'm not going to go to theaters to see the one this week. I'll wait till it comes to streaming service near you, but I've really enjoyed them. I think they're great movies. I mean, I'm not a Harry Potter person. I've seen all the movies. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. my girls were really into it until the statements made by J.K. Rowling. I know they still have a good time when they go to Universal Studios and all that. But when it comes to the actual momentum that this series has, it kind of died with the second one because you were one of the few people that I've ever come across that actually enjoyed it because yeah. I did not enjoy it. I'll just be quite honest with you. Yeah. I know I said it on this show several years ago <laughs> when it came out. Right. Now I understand with Johnny Depp, he's got he's been taken out of the picture entirely. They brought Mads Nicholson in to play that character. Johnny Depp in his trial with Amber Heard that's going on right now. I know that brought a lot of controversy to Fantastic Beasts that he was playing around that time when those allegations first started coming to light. And then I know they got rid of him. I know that with Ezra Miller's controversial things that he's done, he's gotten in trouble twice with the law since then. And he's actually a part of Fantastic Beasts as well. So it's becoming very sticky right now for Warner Brothers. It's not gotten the kind of money. It's kind of declining returns, as I stated before, with each and every episode that has come out. And this is supposed to be a five-chapter movie series. Or Fantastic Beasts. Do you think it will actually complete that five chapter series? 
I think it will just for the fact that they'll just can always go ahead and stick it on HBO Max or whatever yeah. they're going to call it here after exactly the exactly where done. I was going to. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it'll actually end up being the five? Yeah, I think they will do the five. And I think that my theory is we're going to see one more go to theater and the fifth one will just go straight to streaming. And I, I think that it's not going to be a very long stint in theaters. I think they'll put it out, hopefully make a big splash the first couple of weeks, and then they'll pull it and put it onto streaming. They may even do some of the same day streaming and movie theater things. They may uh, try that, hopefully, to get more eyeballs on those movies. But I think they will fulfill all five. I just think they're not going to get fulfilled in the way that they expected it to with all of the fanfare and all that good stuff. I agree with you on that. There's so much controversy, so much of a cloud that's hanging over the series now. I think that the only thing, and this was mentioned by another show that I was listening to, the Box Office Podcast, and I think this is the obvious, and I've said this before on this show, that if they were ever do a Cursed Child movie, bringing that back out and all the original stars or the three main original stars come walking back out, or as I say, coming out of the minivan, coming from soccer practice (laughs) to go ahead and save the world, then I think we'll get people excited again in Harry Potter. I think that will get people excited into the whole Harry Potter type concept because they put in a good perspective on that show. And they said that, you know, a lot of people when they were watching it were 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Those people are now in their 20s, early 30s. They're sometimes in some cases, if they watched a little bit later in their teens, they could be even in their 40s now. They've moved on with certain things and certain aspects. And Fantastic Beasts does not seem to be that kind of, family event that the Harry Potter movies was. It doesn't seem to generate that kind of awe-inspiring, you got to bring the whole family event like the Harry Potter movies were in the past. Absolutely. It's not about the kids anymore. Yeah. You that's, know, like that's it's, the problem. It's, yeah, exactly. That's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem indeed. I don't see great returns for Fantastic Beasts. Do you at this point in time? No, probably not. But like I said before, I, I do enjoy the movies and, and I will watch them. I'm not going to go to the movie theater to see it. I think there's other movies that I need to see in the theater that are not Harry Potter related. So I, I think I need to take care of those. And Harry Potter movies, I can wait until they come out on streaming. It's not a uh, cultural event like it used to be. Like going to the bookstore at midnight to get the next book when it came out and dressing yeah. up as wizards to wait in line and, and all of that stuff. That's just not a thing that that's happening anymore. So I'm not saying that Harry Potter is over, but the fever, the Harry Potter fever, I think has been quenched. And they've only got themselves to blame. They've only got themselves yes. to blame on that for a product that they put out that was much less superior than the magic that Harry Potter could. They could still have done things differently that would have kept that kind of enthusiasm for Harry yeah. Potter. And certainly if a certain individual author wouldn't have said some things, maybe that would have not quelched too. But again, that's another issue that we don't want to go into that on this show. But I will say that again that I don't see that the Fantastic Beasts are going in the right direction I think that they will complete the five episode arc for the Fantastic Bees just because they feel committed to. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to end up on a happy note for Warner Brothers. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a risk that you run, though, when you sign on with five movies to a series deal. You know, if, if people start to to lose interest, I think that that's part of the risk that you take. And it just didn't turn out in their favor this time. Yeah. And I, again, I think that it will probably be something that they'll have to reevaluate. And I think that a movie version of The Cursed Child, I think, is the way that they're going to have to go. Back up the Brinks truck for Daniel Radcliffe and Emma oh, Watson. Yeah, There you go. Even Rupert Grinch, you know, even him too. I know everybody forgets about him, but you know what? You got to back up the Brinks truck for those three to get the Harry Potter universe back in style. I mean, the Harry Potter game, I know we talked about on the show that's scheduled to come out later this year. That's been devastated as far as the anticipation and the interest into it by all the controversy that's been head off and the declining returns of Fantastic Beasts. So we have no idea how well or not well it will do as opposed to being a slam dunk when they probably first put it into production. So, hey, you know, unfortunately, you reap what you sow. And right now they're sowing some things at Warner Brothers when it concerns Harry Potter and that universe that are not really that well done. 
We'll see what happens if they can go ahead and turn around now that Warner Brothers and Discovery are all one big happy family, but we'll see what happens there with the future of Harry Potter with Fantastic Beasts. But if you're going to check out Fantastic Beasts this Easter weekend, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com because we'd love to hear your thoughts. What's the future for Harry Potter after Fantastic Beasts? The secrets of Dumbledore. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. Okay, wait. Wait, I... I can go invisible, right? Because this is this is the absolute worst. You can so, certainly try. Okay, so that is um, uh, that's uh, obver obvination. Ob- <laughs> Close ob- enough. Obvulation. It's obfuscation. Roll your dice. Okay. So I didn't get anything over a five, but you that can. You are still naked. Oh God. The music stops, and everyone is looking directly at you, oh. judging. Oh God, this is. The prince of the city looks very disappointed in you. Okay, this is worse than the dreams that I have about being naked at work. There has to be something that I can do. Vampires in Vitae, a Vampire the Masquerade actual play podcast, season two, to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, before we hit the break, two last things I want to go ahead and touch on with you. It's Melinda Barkhouse Ross and me, Gerald Glassford, here at the PCC Multiverse. Stranger Things, season four. It's very strange, indeed. A lot Mm. of things going on. They brought out a trailer, which, of course, got everybody all up in arms. Bring out the classic 80s rock tune as far as with a little tweak here and a little tweak there to try and modernize it, but still have the iconic voice. I don't even know if it was Steve Perry's actual voice or if it's the guy who sounds a lot like Steve Perry and the new version of Journey, but still darn good. But yes, first off, I will say that it is very, very interesting to see how they will end the series just like some other series are going to be ending in the not too distant future as well. One of which we'll talk about on the back end of the show. This is us is another one, but I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on stranger things season four and an arrival of a D and D legend could be in store for the crew. Man, You know who else is excited about what we now know about stranger things season four and Joe Manganiello. Do you know why Joe Manganiello is excited about this? Why could he? Why? Because he, if you don't know, Joe Manganiello, he's one of us. He's a huge, huge of geek. Course. He plays D&D with Vince Vaughn and, and all the boys. And- Roger has gone into detail. Yeah. Great detail. <laughs> yeah. Great, um, great detail on our Monday so- show. Joe Manganiello was playing a game with, I don't know if it was the whole cast of Critical Role or if it was Matt Mercer and a couple of other people or or what was going on there, but they were all together around a table and they were fighting a lich who calls himself Vecna. And Joe Manganiello's character took Vecna's arm, cut off his own arm and replaced it with Vecna's arm. This is like okay. a huge this and and this has gone like down in mind blowing D and D game around tables. People talk about it in hushed whispers. It was a big deal when it happened. So it's really cool that Vecna is coming to Stranger Things season four. It's a huge deal. He's the, he's the big bad this season, and it's wonderful. I just tell you right now, you go Deathstroke. There you go. You go Deathstroke. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Just cut off your arm. Chop it off right there. Yeah. Chop it off right there for you. Yeah. All right. But yes, yeah. it is something that a lot of people are very intrigued about seeing Vecna, seeing what happened to all the characters, how they've grown up, going to high school, still dealing with the fact that Millie Bobby Brown's character has lost her powers. People are concerned there. What's going on with William Hargrove? Her words on Victor Creel. And of course, again, like you said, all about Vecna. Oh, some good times coming. I'll tell you what, this series is going to go out with a bang. I had concerns before in the series about where it was going to go and where you're going to keep up that quality, but I don't have any concerns anymore. Stranger Things is going to get a lot of people talking. It is still Netflix's foundational show. I think even all these years later, it does not have to depend on, it's not life or death with Stranger Things on the future of how that network goes anymore. But I still think that a lot of positivity and a lot of influence still belongs in the hands of Stranger Things. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. What are your thoughts out there on Stranger Things Season 4 as they dropped the trailer for this week? Oh my gosh, it was a humdinger for me, and I know Melinda loved it as well. So 
A lot of scary things are in store for us with Stranger Things Season 4. But please, we want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, I sectioned off this last part of the half hour for the Warner Brothers Discovery merger because that is finalized. They're now one big happy family. All is well and good. Like I talked about earlier, they have the head of this whole division or this whole conglomerate talking with Oprah on the future and everything's grandiose and everything's wonderful until you see your bill for the <laughs> price that's going to go up yeah. because you just added a lot more discovery yeah. and re- reality TV and cooking shows and yep. improvement shows and all the stuff that you probably were used to on discovery plus. Well, that's now going to be as far as whatever they call this HBO max discovery deal, whatever they ended up calling it. But one of the things that was interesting was the things that were brought up and the rumors and speculation that were brought up by both variety and deadline. And if variety and deadline brings it up, it's usually something that's got to be close to a fact as possible because they usually have really good sources within the confines of whatever it is that they're researching. And, they both have confirmed that there's some real talk about reshaping the DCEU, about how they really like projects like the Joker. No, duh. Yes, it made over a billion dollars. Wouldn't everybody right. like to go ahead and just yeah. you know, gravitates towards that? And they talked about having a Kevin Feige-like leader that's either going to run it from a business or creative, one or the other standpoint. I think that Kevin Feige also runs it from both a creative and a business standpoint. So I think you can't disassociate one from the other. They were trying to, but you can't disassociate one from the other. I think that's great. I think this is something that they should have had in place. Even if they did have in place, they weren't doing a great job of it a long time ago to try and smooth everything out. I always say on this show to either you or Josh about the old thing that I like to say, I'd love to be a fly on the wall of, Kevin Feige's office with the whiteboard and it's how nice, neat, straight line with a timeline and you have just branching out softly of of all the different projects right there. And then you go to DC or whoever's running DC today as far as that end of it. And you go in there and it's all like all erased and it's all scratched out. It's like, no, 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 can't have this. No, no, this goes. Or then you got like all branching out like in 15 different directions in the wrong way. There's some accidental permanent marker in there somewhere. Yeah, it is like, well, this is kind of tied to each other, but maybe not, but sort of, kind of. And then, yeah, so interesting to see how they've come to realize that maybe they do need one central figure to go ahead and plan this all out. Your thoughts on this? Because seemingly this is something that they've needed or someone that could do the job as well as needed because, yes, we would all love if we were running DC a Joker-like hit every single time. Right. But in order to do so, you got to go ahead and build it up over a course of time. And when you have a property like DC, you need to go ahead and do it properly and not have everything all over the place. Like I've said for years, you need to have it all nicely put together. Whoever it was that decided to cast Christian Bale as the Batman and whoever the people who were involved in all of the decision-making when it came to those three movies, I think that those might be the people for them to kind of look to, to at least understand bringing whoever Christopher Nolan was working with at that time. Yeah. Like whoever that was, whoever those mystery people were behind Nolan, when all of that stuff was starting to come together, I think that you may want to start by talking to those people and then have a few creative meetings and, and see if you can unwind the ball of yarn that DC has right now. And if not, then you need to throw out that ball of yarn and you need to start from scratch and you need to have a lot of big idea people in the room. And then you need to have a lot of people who are able to take those big ideas and break them down into manageable bite-sized pieces. And then I think that DC will be able to move forward. I'm just trying to say I'm being optimistic about it. Well, you hit it right in the head. That was a great summation right there. That's that's yeah. a great way to look at it because that was when DC was really hitting it right. And Marvel was not around that right. time. In fact, ironically, I just watched Batman Begins two days ago yeah. as a reminder of how good oh, things good. were. And I, to yeah. me, it's a, such an underrated film because, oh. you know, obviously what came after it. But Liam Neeson being put in that role and just yes. 
Ken Watanabe is in there and some really good casting. I think obviously Michael Caine and Chris Christian Bale, like you said, we won't talk about Katie Holmes, that part of it. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she's smirking. I've got her face like this half the time. Yeah. I think that's probably why they brought in Maggie Gyllenhaal, oh, who they should have brought in in the first place. Yeah. Because she was tremendous in The Dark Knight. But outside of that, Gary Oldman playing Jim Gordon, just truly a sensational cast that yeah. was able to transcend all three of those movies. Even The Dark Knight Rises, which maybe is a little bit too long, maybe has its issues, but it's a pretty good movie as far as superhero movies go. But we all know about The Dark Knight. Heath Ledger killed it. It's the best Joker, I think, that you could live up to, even with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker being outstanding and an Academy Award winner in and of itself. Heath Ledger did an outstanding job. I mean, the way you hit it on the head with that, finding out what went right there and being able to apply that on a basis of what you see here, because it seems like, okay, they have a miss, they have a hit, they have a miss, they have a hit, they have a miss, miss, hit, miss. It's just very uneven what's going on in the DCU. Plus the fact you have all that CW stuff you've got going on there. You've got to actually sit down and say, is it worth it to keep extending that? Because the actual amount of people that watch that on broadcast television is it worth it to sustain going on there? Or do you move all those DC shows onto the HBO Max platform or whatever there is they're going to call it? I mean, major decisions like that going forward. The movies themselves. Do you want to bring out the Shazam movies that didn't do well for you before? Well, you already committed to doing it. And then you've got Black Adam, which you have high hopes for, which probably will do well at the box office behind the power of the rock. What's the future for that? How does it tie into not just the Shazam movie, but the other movies as well? How does the Joker and the Batman seemingly in their own different time frames? How does that work out? You better hope this Flashpoint with Ezra Miller, who may not even stay as the Flash, as we discussed, where that's going to take it and how that's going to go ahead and meld all these things together. It better do the job. There's so much pressure on the Flashpoint to go ahead and be that one big erase board, to go to that whiteboard in that room of the DC president and just be able to clean things up. Just yeah, it, up. it's it's going to be a big job. I don't envy the person who has to do that, but my goodness, I think that you- You're really, talking about cleaning up 10 years yeah, of, uh, of Of meandering ideas. Yeah. You know, and now that you have this great model with the Marvel movies, if you do decide to kick everything that they've done to the curb and start fresh- Start with a, a brand new Batman who's the right age, who you can see grow in his role as Batman. Get all the way up. Like, let's see Batman age with the same actor. Like, let's really have somebody who can just, you know, is okay with being Batman and isn't in five years going to be sick and tired of being Batman. It really is an exciting time, and I'm hopeful for DC. I've always kind of been pulling for them. And I think that they have a few of the right puzzle pieces. They just don't have the clear picture that they need quite yet. And I'm hoping that this is going to be the thing that's going to bring everything into focus and help us leave those breadcrumbs through various movies. You can go back and you can be like, oh, my God, that guy was in the background of that scene. I can't believe it. Stuff like that. I love that stuff. Very well said indeed. But if you have thoughts on the future of DC, that most likely will be changing because of the merger with Warner Brothers and Discovery, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And please let us know what direction you would love to see for the DCEU. Because we do want it to succeed. We do want it to make sense. We do want it to be worth our time. If we're going to be seeing all these DC movies that you plan to throw in front of us, they should start making sense and they should lead to something instead of just be all standalone movies. It should not be all standalone movies. It should all lead to something. It should reward you like Marvel has for sticking through them for over a decade. So please let us know your thoughts on the DC possibilities in this Warner Discovery merger. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it's Jeff Sabota from the MCU's Bleeding Edge. He's going to be talking some Marvel with Moon Knight Episode 3. And after that, Belinda and I will be closing out the show, talking about the end of Better Call Saul. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, playsets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV. Canada. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here at the PCC Multiverse. Thank you so much for listening. Truly appreciate it. It is Moon Knight, Episode 3. You know there's a lot of good stuff going on if you've caught it. Oscar Isaac is doing what he can as Stephen from the gift shop. You know, that's actually a horrible accent. I don't even know why. I, and, you know, I know his accent has been for much debate on it, but here today to talk about Moon Knight Episode 3 and where the character can go from here. Man, indeed, who is part of the MCU's Bleeding Edge. you got to go ahead and check it out wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube, subscribe today. Please go ahead. Great conversation is always to be had on the MCU at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. It is the man with true knowledge. It is Jeff Sloboda. And Jeff, great to have you here, my friend. Always talking Moon Knight, always talking MCU. Great to have you aboard once again. Hey, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be a part of the MCU Marvel fandom. I'm very blessed. And at the end of the day, you're right. We do have some wonderful, formative, educational, at times funny conversations over on the Bleeding Edge. And hey, I'm just happy to be here. I feel positive about recording with you as always, Gerald. And hey, man, let's talk some Moon Knight. Let's talk some Moon Knight. Oh, and if, if, oh, and if you want me to go ahead and just try my British accent real quick just to, like, take away some of your, you know, embarrassment or whatever, I can share the load a little bit, you know. Fine. Well, go for it. Go for my, it. No, my, mine's rough, man. Okay. Fair enough. You know, I actually said on your show, I wonder what they think overseas, abroad, about about Oscar Isaac's accent. And it's not always favorable. I will just put it at that. But, you know... For me, his performance so far has been pretty good. I've been pretty impressed. Well, I had the pleasure of being on your show with your entire crew that's there. And everybody is like me and saying, you know what? For us, it's it's good. He's doing a good job. Yep. He, the interaction between the different personalities as far as what, in fact, this latest episode, episode three, where he is having even more dialogue between Stephen Grant and Mark, and they're just having going back and forth the different dynamic between each other as far as the constant battles and the fact that they do actually have to work with each other. But what's been intriguing about either this episode or the series so far for you with Moon Knight? Well, you saw last night that even when I tried to like kind of try to throw some shade with the series and with Moon Knight and whatnot and go in that direction with the rest of the guests, nobody bit. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, nobody wanted to go in that direction. You know what I mean? They had nothing bad to say, you know, overall. And I don't think that was a game or whatever. They were, or they were playing. That's not the, the gist on the bleeding edge. People know that they can come in and be authentic. So I think overall, people really are happy with what they're getting from the series. And as far as episode three goes, I feel like it was just another great step with the series, another great step of character building and it's very exposition of, heavy. Yes. Very yes. exposition heavy this previous episode. Yes, they really and they really put the spotlight on May Callumway I, I believe you pronounced it correctly, who plays Layla. They really gave her her time and paid her her due and kind of exposed her as a character a little bit more to us in the audience and whatnot, which I thought was very interesting. It'll be interesting to see like how her role continues to kind of evolve. I yeah. guess, over the course of the rest of the series and, and where she ends up by the end. At this point, I feel like, for me, there's so many different things going on at this point. It's so layered of, yeah. of a story, as we talked about last night on the show, that, in a way, I'm not sure what to point out necessarily specifically out of episode three or any of the episodes as highlights, really. Like, there's been so much to yeah. take in. All I can really say is that, in a positive way, 
Moon Knight's episodes, when I watch them on the first take, can be confusing to me at times because there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. I agree with you on that. It's it's hard to follow at times, especially with the fact that he himself has a hard time following what's going on because he blacks out. He doesn't know what's going on. And all of a sudden you see him in a different place, a different time frame, sometimes days later, sometimes minutes later in different places because he jumps personalities or once he jumps into the moon Knight persona he always doesn't have control of what's going on so he can actually black out and just be in a different place of time he's already killed like two or three guys or something like that like we even saw on episode three so it can be very confusing at times but it's still quite entertaining because of the dynamic that oscar isaac is bringing because a lot of this weight of this show, this series, has to be on Oscar Isaac to go well, ahead. Oh, yes. Ahead. Great point. Great point. But at the same time, the story is evolving and becoming more layered as we're going episode to episode. You know what I mean? It's growing. You yeah. know, it's not it's not going neutral or, yeah. like, becoming simplified. It's actually getting a little bit more layered as we go. Yeah. They're adding more steps to, like, you know, the structure. And at that point, I'd have to believe there probably are a lot of fans out there that are enjoying the heck out of the series. But they are confused as to what exactly is going on with some aspects of what's going on with the story right now. You know, it's a little bit confusing at times in a good way. They're just adding a lot in there for us. And you know what? I really feel like, hey, there's no way you couldn't have not realized this was going to be a unique series for us compared to what we've gotten so far with Disney+. Plus. But I feel like right now what we're getting so far is something that I never could have even figured or planned that we'd see. We're getting something that's totally unique and different than anything we've seen. This is different than WandaVision. It's different than Loki. It's Earth-based. It's street level, right? Yet at the same time, it's also got these noir-type aspects. Yes, you know, these dark aspects, these supernatural supernatural, aspects going in, right? And they're weaving this all together. You know what I mean? Also, at the same time, the show looks great. The cinematography is great. The music's good. And overall, I feel like so far for three episodes – I can't really find fault in anything that they've done with it at all. Look at how they've quieted the fans that were concerned about how authentically comic book authentic this was going to be. What we were going to get in this series as far as the comic books go with Moon Knight. And to that, I say it's really hard when you're putting this to life from a comic book to a movie or a television series that you stay 100% true to the comic book. You have to appeal to a broader audience. And that's something I always worry about as far as whatever property is. Will it appeal to a broader audience? Not just the hardcores. The hardcores, if you do it the way that you know the most hardcores would do it, they'll just go ahead and, and really be happy with it, or they're not going to be happy with it. Either which way. It's either one way or the other. But is it appealing to a broader audience? So far, whatever analytics that are on the show, so far the analytics say – it's been pretty good. It's falling somewhere in the line of, of the MCU television shows. So it's not turning anybody away per se. So I just think that because it's so exposition heavy, is it becoming a burden for the general audience? Not so far as of yet, but I, I do hope in the last three episodes, it's a little more action oriented. Just yes. to make sure that everybody that is watching it and has committed time to the first three weeks gets the full enjoyment out of it. Because again, The thing for Moon Knight, and this is the last part of the conversation that we should talk about, is where is Moon Knight going from here? I think that you don't do a six-episode series for Moon Knight unless you have larger plans for him in the scope of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if that's the case, the idea is to showcase him to a broader audience with Disney Plus and his 120 million subscribers currently. So I think right now is... As long as you're, you've done a lot of explaining in the first three episodes, you go ahead and you provide a little bit more entertainment aspect in the next three episodes in order to ensure that the larger base of fans gets exactly what they need to remind them that Moon Knight could be a player going forward. Yes, it's very well put, Gerald, as usual. And we tried, we did get into this a little bit last night. We, we, we broached this, this, you know, this topic. And I feel like right now that's a very good point in that – being that we're at the midway mark right now, and we got three episodes left, mm-hmm. I feel like you're right. We need to see more action. We need to see more climatic, impactful action, more of him in the suit. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, and showing us what he can do, what his abilities are. I mean, last night, episode three was our first time of really getting a clear 
real idea of what his powers are to some extent, yeah. that, that he can take bullets, you know, and like be pierced by objects and has like some sort of healing factor or whatever while using the suit. Well, at the same time, watch this story continue as far as this dialogue, this inner debate between the, the personalities that has become such a, you know, an also important subset of the story almost. I'm not sure if you want to call it the focus, really. Again, there's so many layers to this story with Moon Knight that I think that what I'd like to see is a simplification to some extent, to some degree, as we yeah. go down the road to where things are a little bit less muddled and clearer, I guess, for the audience. While at the same time that the action is interjected and thrown in and there's more of it and everything, we get more Moon Knight in costume and we get more Khonshu. You know, I love Khonshu. I think he's a great, interesting part of this series. It's great every time he comes on screen, I think. Yeah. I really do. It's a highlight with, for me. With the voice of F. Murray Abrams. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It really is. It adds just this this other different aspect to the show almost. It's like its own little story. You know, and then I'd love, love, love to see some kind of flashbacks of Arthur Harrow, Ethan Hawke, as the avatar of Kanchu at one point. That I would love to see. Or a flashback of Mark Spector himself and how he yes. got into this trouble in the first place. Because there's the way that we've read in the comics, or those who have read in the comics, comic books, how this happened in the first place for him to become the avatar of Kanchu. We don't know how Disney is, or in this case, Marvel Studios, is going to shape it. I'm assuming they're going to shape it somewhat differently than the origin story that you see. I, in the I think we all basically figured that when we saw in the initial trailers, the desert and everything and whatnot, and the Egyptian scenes, that that was going to be his origin story being laid out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, but, the, that's the thing. We haven't seen it yet. So that's, no, no, no. Does it even happen? It's sometimes it's hard when you pick up a series that is already like in motion, like it's, it's not started from a beginning so fans sometimes, like you said, have a little bit of a hard time trying to pick up on that because of the fact it doesn't get you right at the beginning or origination of a character. It's already taken place. Moon Knight has already been a part of Mark Spector's and Stephen Grant's life to some extent when we actually join them in this adventure. So I'm just saying at some point in time, like you said, with Ethan Hawke's character or with Oscar Isaac's character, please do something to go ahead and maybe fill out some of that back story because... Again, the question comes down to, and I know I mentioned this on your show, is what is the future for Moon Knight? What is the future for Oscar Isaac? He's been very clear that he's only signed on for one season. Now, if this is a ploy to get another season or if it's just to trick the fans or if it's something that's a larger scheme, I'm not sure. I know Kevin Feige has a master plan in place. I know he said that he doesn't want to tie people down for seven film contracts anymore. He wants to make sure they're always excited for MCU projects and not have them miserable in the MCU projects that they're doing. That's the thing I worry about is what's the future for this character going forward? But they're still going to do it. They're still going to sign those seven-year contracts, though. You know, Gerald, at the end of the day, it's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, you know, no matter what they say or don't say, Oscar Isaac is doing an awesome job mm -hmm. so far in the series, okay? He is, like, carrying the weight, like, yeah. for real. And, he has to in the series. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're talking about a tough, tough role right there that he stepped into, and he must have really saw the potential, I believe, as an actor, coming off of something like Dune that was a masterpiece, right? Yeah. Where, where he played such an iconic character in yes. the Dune lore, you know what I mean? And did it so well, yes. you know? It was so impactful in his kind of, not even that big of a role, really, in the film overall. I feel like, honestly, his beard alone in Dune was, was Oscar-nominated potential. No, um, not as much as Timothy Chalamet's hair. No, no. Timothy uh, Chalamet's hair was number one. Listen, that, should be, that should have gotten best actor. If I could have a beard that looked as good as Oscar Isaac's, Tinder would pay me to be on there. <laughs> okay? I just want to be clear. Fair enough, fair enough. But the hair on Timothy, got to admit, is like Timothy and his hair all throughout the thing. Hey, I, you know what? People can say what they want about Timothy, but you know what? Overall, again. Dude was amazing. He I'm was just, amazing. Yeah. yeah he, he, I'm sorry, but I, I mean, I don't know what's going on with these people over at the Oscars and whatnot in the Academy, but I honestly don't see how his performance is not Oscar worthy it was, as, it was as a lead best, actor. It was our best picture of the year. So I don't know why it didn't get best picture. It did get the most awards, but it was all of it was technical. So kind of disappointed that it didn't get some of the big prizes. But you know what? It is an amazing film nonetheless. And like you said, Oscar Isaac had a great role in it. And his performance here has been really, really strong. But there's one last thing that 
that I know that was mentioned on your show, the MCU's Bleeding Edge, and that was more talk on the third persona. Because as yes. in the end credit, it's something that leaves you there. There are three faces of Mark Spector or three faces of Stephen Grant or three faces of Oscar Isaac shown on the end credits. So that leads us all to speculation that there's going to be a third persona. Now, there is actually more than three personas, I believe, in the comic books. But the one that's most talked about, I think that was mentioned by one of your guests, is in regards to a cab driver. Could you elaborate yes. a little bit more on that? Basically, there are three main personalities to Moon Knight in the comic books, right? And I believe that the, the cab driver character that essentially is the Steven character, okay, in the series, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is actually... Jake Lockley, I believe. Jake Lockley, it? yes, yep. Jake Lockley. And so instead of him being the cab driver, right, he instead has the role of learning about the Egyptian lore and history of the gods and whatnot. And obviously that job is it's unfolding, that that was obviously a planned operation. You know what yeah. I mean? Like where he was almost a plant in that situation yeah. to guide Khonshu, to guide the mission. So it's there's a lot to still be unpacked. Now, as far as the third personality goes... That's just going to end up being another layer that's going to be thrown in the last three episodes of the series that we'll have unveiled for us. But as far as like your big picture projection of where does this go long term with Oscar Isaac, with Moon Knight overall, I really think at the end of the day that we both would agree that no matter what happens, they're going to have Moon Knight be a part of their monsterverse, their supernatural wing of the MCU that they're going to eventually launch and go in into. Like right, I talked gonna, about last night, Dark yes. Avengers, yes. Midnight Suns. Midnight Suns. Like Midnight Suns is going to happen. It's got to. It has so much potential. Yeah. You know, anybody who's read the Midnight Suns comics at all knows. And you've got the Black Knight. You've got Blade already. There we go. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The characters are there. Ghost Rider's going to be coming soon. You know he is. It's only a matter of time before they the, drop him. The third rendition of it. I'd yep. like to see Nick Cage come back. Oh, come on, please. Oh, God. Just I'm telling you. Okay, yeah, maybe just for a minute, but don't bring him back as Ghost Rider, please, as our maybe Ghost Rider. Maybe as a Rider. multiverse type of thing, as the little guest appearance. Now that there's a Nick Cage renaissance in place right now, maybe... Yeah. I love Nick Cage, but at the same time... No, they're going to get someone younger. Though. I want to see them do Dan Ketch Ghost Rider from the 90s Ghost Rider comic books, where Johnny Blaze is no longer Ghost Rider, and he's just Johnny Blaze, and he's kind of like Ghost Rider's partner or buddy. That, you know, the Spirits of Vengeance run they had during the 90s. I'd love to see that play out. But basically, I see one-year contract or whatever, there's no way, shape, or form that any other actor is going to play Moon Knight at this point after this series is over. Yeah. And at the end of the day, look, in the comics, he's an Avenger, right? He's been yeah. in the Midnight Suns. Actually, this could be set up where if Oscar Isaac leaves, if he ever wants to leave the role, they could easily go ahead and say, okay, Conchu wants a new Avatar. Ah, uh, yep. Yep. This is probably the easiest of any of the MCU characters. This is probably the easiest you could transition into someone else. But is Oscar Isaac, but is he going to want to walk away from the popularity and the success and the money that we're talking about on the table potentially? Yeah. Well, no, not right now. I'm just saying it down the road. If he ever says he's a disagreement with Marvel for whatever reason, or he just feels like he's had enough. This is probably the easiest character you could transition. Let's say Jeff Sloboda, we get him to be the next Moon Knight. You could automatically say, hey, Khonshu picks you as the avatar, and then there you go. Hey, listen, if that happened, Khonshu would become my avatar, if that's, what, <laughs> if that's what happened, just to be clear. But no, seriously, I mean, honestly, I think that's one thing about Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige that people don't give them credit for is that beyond the absolute talent that Sarah Finn obviously has in terms of casting, and overall – they seem to do a really great job building and establishing relationships with these actors and actresses to where they want to work for Marvel. Yeah, absolutely indeed. But my friend, it's been great talking about Moon Knight, the future Moon Knight, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. As always, you're the man with the MCU's Bleeding Edge. But please, before we head on out, you got to go ahead and give an update to everyone on what you're doing at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Well, I can talk and talk. I'm the most long-winded person there is possible. But then when it comes to the plugging and whatnot, I feel a little awkward. But all I'll basically just say is that the MCU's Bleeding Edge is a live stream-based MCU, Marvel, DCU, fandom-type show. We go off every Wednesday evening is our main show with my co-host Cybernetic Shark and myself. Then we do a Friday and a Sunday show now also at 9.20 p.m. Eastern, 6.20 p.m. Pacific. The Friday shows, I have now decided to throw over totally and go on the panel myself and just have guest moderators come on. That's how the shows are going to work. So I'm just basically bringing in fellow creators that I've collaborated with over the past. Throughout the 10, 11 months, I've been doing The Bleeding Edge on Friends, 
guests that have been really good to us and been loyal to us, like Alexis that you've met, I'm having Alexis be a guest moderator and she's guest moderating every other Friday. It's a good chance for me to reward some of our most loyal guests that are my friends yeah. and give them a chance to kind of do what they want to do with the show. So it's fun. I enjoy it. We do a Sunday show, which is kind of like more of a loosely based, lessly structured, more of an open floor conversation kind of show. But overall, we're definitely not for kids at times. You don't want your seven-year-old probably to catch an episode of The Bleeding Edge, especially if I'm on there. So at that point, I'm just putting it out there. Just be prepared that we're a unique kind of show. Sounds good indeed. But yes, it is the MCU's Bleeding Edge, available on all podcast formats. YouTube, please go ahead and subscribe today. The best in MCU talk is right there at the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Mr. True Knowledge, Jeff Sabona, always great to have you on. I know you were saying, uh, Gerald, like, when can I come back on the show? Hey, I told you, halfway through, we get you on, my friend. I'm a man of my word when I stick to that stuff. So, hey, yeah. I have fun recording with you, Gerald. At the end of the day, that's all it's about. It's my excitement as I'm looking forward to my opportunity to get on here with you again. Always looking forward to having you on the show. Please go ahead and send my best to everyone on the show of the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Can't wait till I go back on the show there again. But always great to have you here talking MCU right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip, or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. It's Gerald Glassford, along with the goddess of vampires <laughs> and Vitae. I'm trying to think of all these words, you know. Undersell so I can over-deliver. The no, painfully no. average Melinda. Like, that sounds perfect. <laughs> the painfully average? No, I can't say that. No, no. It's the goddess yeah. of vampires and Vitae. It is Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. But before we head on out, I do want to remind you that we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. Please catch our games each and every week. I know Mitch is running some great stuff. Hopefully he'll be doing that this Easter weekend. Plus also as well, Roger with the Demolition Force. My gosh, he tortures us each and every Monday. I know that Melinda wasn't there for this latest episode, but I was. That was a hoot while I was there, so... Truly appreciate the time and check us out every Monday there. But also, Melinda, Rob, they have their games, Vampires and Vitae, every Sunday. Check it out. Plus everything that they do during the week when they can. So please, we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook, so please support us there. Plus, the latest news and trends in pop culture. We put all the latest items right there on Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, so you get it all in one place. Right there, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. But before we hand on out, Melinda... Ring, ring, ring. Better call Saul. Mm-hmm. The end is near as yes. the first episode of the last season. Season six for Better Call Saul is coming to an end. Going to start debuting episodes, I think, in two different segments. They're partitioning off one grouping of episodes, then another grouping of episodes. They're trying to go ahead and stretch things out. It's, it's a new Hollywood thing where they try to stretch things out over the course of time for shows that are coming to an end. And this one will be coming to an end. I think that people are very satisfied with what they've seen so far because it's continued the mm. very strong goodness that is the world of Breaking Bad and the universe that it's in. But I think that the word that we're going to get some returnees, you know, we've seen some characters from the Breaking Bad universe already come and go in this series already and actually have in some cases a very long stay in the series. Saul himself, Saul Goodman is from the Breaking Bad series. So your thoughts about what you hope to see coming up in season six, a better call Saul. Well, what I had hoped to see in season six 
has been confirmed about yes, season it has. six. Yeah. That's do we, do we talk hinting. about that or is that like spoiler town and we don't want to do no, that? No, no, that, because that's been public out there. The producers said, you, yeah, they yeah. said you would be getting special guest arrivals from the stars of Breaking Bad. So yeah. you're going to see Walt and you're going to be seeing Jesse and, you know, those two are coming back onto the screen at some form or fashion. So I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know what way or what fashion they're going to wait until the very end. I don't know if they're going to play a part in extended episodes, what have you, but we are going to get a return of, of those two characters. I know a lot of people are excited for that because quite frankly, even if you're not a fan, you've got to respect that Breaking Bad is one of the most critically hailed television shows of all oh, time. Absolutely. It's going to go down in history as one of the top shows period of all time. I love Severance to death and think it's got a long way to go to get there. It's got one of the best seasons ever made, I think, right. on, in history. But to become one of the best shows, you need to keep on doing it consistently year in, year out. And that's what Breaking Bad has done. And now Better Call Saul has not fallen far from the tree. So I think a lot of people are going to enjoy this year as well. Yeah, I mean, I hope that at least one pizza ends up on a roof before it all is over. <laughs> I hope, I hope of we get all the things you remember, <laughs> but I mean, that, it was, it was pretty great. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. So I'm I really curious. That one more time. I just love the fact that they portray a dark underworld so well. Yeah. And just so many great actors have been a part of it. And each time everyone comes on screen, it just seems like, okay, what are you going to do now to go ahead and up the ante? And it seems like every single time that they do, it, it really does. You know, Giancarlo Esposito, excellent. Every time he goes on there, just the list goes on and on. Every time we go ahead and check out a new year, a new season of Better Call Saul, but it's all coming to an end. And the thing I ask is AMC is probably not thrilled that this is ending because it's been a ratings winner, of course. Right. Not quite the Breaking Bad numbers when all is said and done, but... Where does this universe go or can this universe extend beyond the ending of Better Call Saul? Yeah, I'm just not sure how we're going to continue to explore that universe. I'm, I'm like, I'm not. You can't keep on going back in time. Yeah. And I'm not sure like which other character you would want to like wrap a, an entire series around. as Because well. this is a prequel. Yeah. Because in essence, this is a prequel to the events of Breaking Bad. So. Right. You could only go so far so back, but to tie into Breaking Bad would be just a name value would be great for AMC to have something that they could latch onto just yeah. for that name only. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Like, are we too far out of Breaking Bad to have another spinoff at this point? Or would it just feel like a Better Call Saul breakoff at this point? That's the thing. Where could oh. it go? Where could it go from here to extend the Breaking Bad universe? Maybe they'll find a way with AMC. You know, they're going to try hard, but I'm not sure where they can go from here. Because, again, they're already in, going back in time. You really can't go forward in time because that story is already ended, that part of it. So, I don't know. There's really nowhere else to go from here. But, again, it closes down one of the biggest chapters or the best chapters, the most critically acclaimed chapters in television history. Absolutely. And they're ending it correctly by bringing Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul in and having them part of, of the final season. I think that that's just the, the correct move and the way to thank your fans for sticking with them through this spinoff. Absolutely. So if you have any thoughts on the final season of Better Call Saul, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. As always, I know you and I will be at NAB later yes. this month. Looking forward to that. But any last thoughts before we head on out? Yes. Watch Stranger Things and learn all about Vecna. He's going to be such a wonderful villain. He's such a great bad guy. And I'm very excited for this season. It's going to be good. Uh, it's going to be good. I tell you, I'm now really excited not this excited in a long time for Stranger Things, but yes, I'm definitely looking forward, especially to this season, but we'll be seeing the last of this season of Stranger Things. So for Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great 
You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.